we decided to take our image recognition technology and partner with a, some medical experts who knew a lot more about the medical field and radiology in particular than we did. So we took our, our image recognition platform and built a mobile application that you can use to screen for different radiology conditions in a, an x-ray or a CT scan. So our goal with it was to make screening for COVID-19 easier, particularly for radiologists and radiology technicians. Hey everyone, welcome to Brains Behind AI, show where we meet the innovators, entrepreneurs, and the real brains behind some of the most successful AI startups. We ask them about their journey from coming up with the idea to finding the product market fit. And from their experience, draw a set of principles that we can take away to ours. This is your host, Ari. Thank you for spending time with us. And now, let the show begin. Welcome, everybody, to an episode of Brains Behind AI. Today, we have Cordell France. Cordell is the founder and CEO of Seeker Technologies, a technology startup that builds artificial intelligence products for a variety of industries. Seeker, while still a startup, has put three different medical AI products through four board-reviewed clinical trials. In response to COVID-19 pandemic, Seeker contributed two products free of charge to physicians to help ease demand on medical staffing and screening for the virus faster. They are currently building the first clinical AI tool used to advise neuro psychologists in diagnosing mental disorders. Cordell graduated from Utah State University with a Bachelor of Science degree. He received a Master of Science degree in Artificial Intelligence from John Hopkins University and a graduate certificate in Machine Learning and AI from MIT. Cordell, welcome to the show. Excellent. Thank you for having me, Natalie. Cordell, what an impressive background. Before we dive into the, the company, let's take a minute to learn about your journey. And if you can tell us how did you sort of end up in AI and in this world, especially with the healthcare type of applications that you're building and developing now? Where did it start and how did it lead to where you are? Sure. So it started when I was a kid. So I actually grew up on a farm and my father had some autonomous driving software for these large tractor machinery. And I remember seeing that as a kid, seeing these large machines steer themselves autonomously triggered my interest in robotics and AI and trying to make things, you know, automate themselves. And so the seeds kind of started from there and just kind of carried that into uh, that interest into school. I've always excelled in math. And so that played heavily into, you know, AI and computer science and that into my undergrad degree, uh, which resulted in a, a few jobs in the defense industry where I was, I worked as an engineer for a couple of different disciplines in mechanical engineering, systems engineering, and also software engineering. So I got to see a lot of different unique aspects of product development, just given those different engineering disciplines. And my, what I was working on mostly there was autonomous systems. And so that just kind of kept feeding the fire of, of, of you know, intriguing me more and more. And fast forward to about two years ago, a colleague or my co-founder, Zach Newman, and I decided to fully start Seeker and begin working on it more and more in our free time. And about six months later, we actually ended up leaving our full-time jobs and you know, pursuing customers and seeking revenue. And it's, I haven't looked back. It's been excellent since then. But that, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the path, I guess, of which you know, the AI, my interest in AI started and progressed to where it is today. 
It seems like you had a very interesting, impressive job in the defense sector. What made you say, let's leave this behind and venture into the startup? What was, was there a calling? What, what got you leave a safe corporate job and go into a startup world? It was a very, very tough decision. I mean, I had, I had an excellent job and I really enjoyed it. And I was learning a lot, had a lot of great mentors and was honestly working on things that I loved. So it was a really difficult decision. However, you know, my true passion and interest is artificial intelligence and the defense sector is really uh, difficult. They're not very amenable to AI right now for a variety of reasons, right? Because the consequences of an artificial intelligence system being wrong uh, in something that's so sensitive, such as defense and medicine is very hard to fathom and very hard to, you know, handle uh, that level of autonomy over for those types of decisions. So it's very hard to kind of, you know, move fast in that sense and really incorporate AI into products. And so we, Zach, uh, Zach and myself decided to change that. We're developing, we wanted to start Secret to try to develop system or artificial intelligence systems for all industries in general, but industries that are explainable, that can explain themselves just as a physician can, just as a soldier can. And so that kind of opens up opportunities and opens up different industries to being more amenable to accepting artificial intelligence into products that can augment people's capabilities instead of necessarily replacing them. So really, I mean, it's, that's, I guess, one of the, the primary reason was the fact that it was hard to see a lot of AI development, at least in my particular field in the defense industry. There wasn't a lot of interest and focus because of these systems are black boxes. They're not very explainable. And so that's what Zach and I set out to try to, to fix. Yeah. And with AI, you can, there's a lot you can do, right? And you're already tapping into multiple industries. But where did you start when, when you and your co-founders started working on AI? Maybe it started it on site. What, what was your focus? Where did you guys start? We started solely in image recognition. So we were actually building image recognition systems for optic systems for outdoors. So actually like spotting scopes for rifles and spotting and, and different optics such as binoculars. So as an example, we were, if, if someone looks through binoculars or through a, a rifle scope and sees an endangered animal, we actually have active recognition on that system that said, hey, you know, you don't obviously make an action because this is an endangered species. You can't actually go after this animal. So conservation was a heavy first sector. And then it was interesting because we, you know, it's in defense, it's classified as target recognition, but it's image recognition everywhere else. So being able to bridge that into other industries such as medicine was really quite easy once we required the necessary expertise. Now, we didn't have any medical expertise to begin with, so we had to go out and seek that to kind of have some advice on how to go about building different things. And the COVID-19 pandemic actually positioned us at a very good at a very good point for that. We decided to take our image recognition technology and partner with a, a, some medical experts who knew a lot more about the medical field and radiology in particular than we did. So we took our, our image recognition platform and built a mobile application that was able to that you can use to screen for different radiology conditions in a, an X-ray or a CT scan. So our goal with it was to make screening for COVID-19 easier, particularly for radiologists and radiology technicians. So for example, the app allows you to either import an X-ray image or to, to capture an X-ray image, like just a picture of, of, the, of the screen, 
And the AI will go through and read out all the optical glares, read out all, all, all the text that's on the image and actually give you a, a feedback and classify whether or not the image contains signs of pneumonia or COVID-19 or emphysema or, or other conditions to try to help you know, speed people off and divert them into the appropriate medical attention that they needed. And so that was, it was really a great opportunity for us in, in order to kind of bridge our image recognition technology into something to really benefit an urgent demand of the world right now. It was wildly successful. We actually put it through a, a clinical trial as well, that it, and, it, and that turned out phenomenal as well. That's amazing. Wow. No, that's fascinating. So did you really start with like each industry at a time? So you were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to tackle this one first, maybe like the defense and and then go into healthcare because I know you're in so many different industries now and you're growing so fast. Did you just really take each one at a time or was it like, did you just branch off at once after you really tackled the medical industry as well with COVID-19? Yeah. So there's a couple of different reasons on, on the way we skipped around. So we, st- we had a lot of interest in outdoor recreation and animal conservation to begin mm-hmm. with, which was shocking. That's not something that we would have thought of in the beginning. So that's where we started. But there's some concerns, right, with AI and being used in that manner and actually being used with, with you know, autonomous weapons and such. And that's not something that we really advocate and really want to focus on and really want to try to uh, break into that medical realm. And so we, that's COVID-19 was a perfect segue for that. So since then, we've are almost our, well, most of our focus has been on medicine and we've done a few things in autonomous systems like uh, self-driving and, and, and drones and things like that. But really, once we, once we developed COVID AI, which was that, mm-hmm. that radiology app, it actually just kind of opened up a plethora of other medical opportunities for us that allowed us to shift our focus almost entirely. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. So I want to sort of understand, right? You, you're working on various artificial intelligence technologies and it's cutting across industries. How did you, so one of the important moments for a, for a company and a startup is when someone starts paying you for the service or the application you provide. So what was the first moment where you converted your technology into dollars? So yeah, COVID, that, that product of COVID was actually fully donated. That was um, entirely for free just to help the cause and really just try to make medical field more amenable to artificial intelligence solutions. So we didn't make any money on that. And that was by design. But the, and, and our funding up to that point was actually from more of the recreational and, and security and defense sector. So that, that, was, that was really where the money started. But after COVID AI, after that, that you know, donated app, that's when we started seeing more monetary revenue from healthcare and from medicine. And it really, it wasn't really a big shift for us. We kind of had to acquire different expertise on how to you know, design and look for different, different things within, you know, images and signals. And we branched out into audio and different signal recognition, but transferring that technology or seekers technology from one sector to another, wasn't really that difficult. Uh, once we had the necessary advisors to kind of guide us along the way on, on what to look for in certain images and, and really what, you know, what Zach and I set out to do in general with seeker doesn't change in, in either industry. We, we developed Seeker to be, to, to be basically founded on four principles, and that is to make artificial intelligence mobile, to make artificial intelligence ethical, to make it explainable, and to make it 
plastic basically make it dynamic so that it can behave as the brain does and when you deploy an artificial intelligence model it continues to evolve and learn and get better with time instead of staying stagnant and so those four principles basically are are kind of embedded in in every product we do regardless of industry and that's kind of what has garnered our attention or, or garnered interest in our products so far how'd you come up with the name seeker technologies there's, there's a couple, Zach and I kind of met at an intersection of two different thoughts. So I, you know, coming from defense, I, I was involved with optics and missile seekers, right? So that's the eye of an airframe at times, right? Where it's trying to navigate its way around and we use the AR for augmented reality. And Zach uh, is a big fan of being able to seek to understand something before, you know, you actually, we, we always have, we have an inside joke where we have, you know, some old friends that really, they talk before they actually think. And so we always say, seek to understand before you make it, you know, an actual comment about something or pretend, you know, so that's kind of where it, it intersected and the name just stuck after, you know, after a, a few days. Yeah, no, that's a cool name. In terms of your business, right? Are you mostly consulting other companies and providing the software or it's software as a service? Right now it's software as a service. So we started out building under contracts for certain companies or for, for di- different companies, building out different products. And I can elaborate on those in a moment, but it's, it's a software as a service right now where we're actually building out those, our software under those four principles to be licensed in different under, for different companies and different individuals in general. So being able to make artificial intelligence explainable is really, there's, it's a big topic right now in AI and that you, we need to be able to explain these decisions and make it not so black boxish. We got to be able to trust these AI systems in order to gain more people to support it and supports development. And so we actually print out reports and can explain every decision a neural network makes with our technology. So part of that platform that we license out is, is incorporates that. We have a huge focus on mobility. So actually not tying anything to a cloud. So a lot of these artificial intelligence models are tied to a cloud because they're very large, right? And so they, it, takes, it takes time to have to transmit a classification request to the cloud and receive an answer back. We don't do any of that. We've com- we, we are part of our technology is being able to compress everything small enough to fit on the device and you know make everything so small that you actually protect patient or people's data that way because there's not something transmitted back and forth and it just runs faster anymore in, in, in real time. There's also quite a bit of, of emphasis on ethics right now with AI. So if you guys are, if you guys are familiar with, you've seen a lot in the news, I'm sure, Facial recognition seems to have gotten a lot of heat because it it's it seems to be you know it misclassifies it seems more a lot more often than we thought it did. I think uh, Harvard Business Journal or Medical Journal rather did a or posted a review that on, on a study that they did that darker skin folks were thirty five times more likely to be misclassified than lighter skin folks, and that's a result of really bias in the data that the artificial intelligence agent was trained on and can be solved through better engineering. So we take a particular interest and a particular sensitivity in actually going through the data and making sure that everything is addressed from multiple angles to try to rid as much bias from the data as possible. And that's particularly advantageous in realms such as medicine, where you know a misclassification is is has has very dire consequences. And so that's kind of the core by behind what we're building and what we've what we designed so far. And briefly on that fourth point, that fourth core principle and dynamics, making these models dynamic, if you, if you build an artificial intelligence model or neural network, 
is basically deployed and it's done. It's, it's, you know, if it classifies five different objects, it's never going to classify more than five different objects. And it's never going to learn to classify anything different. Ours learn over time and they update themselves while also maintaining accuracy and consistency and also pruning away things that it doesn't need to classify anymore. Yeah, very impressive. How big is your company now? Have you, have you grown, added more people? Yeah, yeah, we've grown quite a bit. We've, we're at 11 people right now. Yeah, and when did you guys start? We, so we officially started in 2000, middle of 2019 or beginning of 2019. And yeah, so we officially started in the beginning of 2019 and fully went and went full time in the middle of 2019. So left day jobs and, and fully incorporated into the middle of 2019. Sought yeah, that's been profitable since. Oh, wow. That's, that's super impressive. And given that you're profitable, are you, do you still work with venture capitalists? Are you raising or do you, do you, are you self-sufficient given how things are structured and have taken? We are self-sufficient right now, the way things are taking off, but we're actually raising a round of funding this summer. So we've actually started that process already. Uh, so we are speaking with venture capitalists and, and investors of different types to try to raise money because we have we have a lot, we have big plans and, and that's going to take a, a bigger team in order to pursue, in order to actually manifest everything that we want in, in our vision to, to come about. So we are seeking funding right now. It's going through our series A. Excellent. You guys are moving at a great speed there. So now in terms of the customers that you work with, one of the things I have noticed is, as I mentioned at the start, AI is an emerging trend. Most companies out there and especially in healthcare, they're not so comfortable adopting to the new. So how are you navigating that? It's a great question. And that's, uh, that's part of that explainable tier that we're trying to emphasize in our models. So at least with, from what we've encountered, part of the reason that professionals in healthcare aren't adaptable or aren't really amenable to AI solutions is the fact that they don't, it can't explain its reasoning. It can't explain what's going on or how it arrived to a certain solution. So being able to explain the process on or its logic on how it actually came about with a certain classification is, is key to our technology and seems to give people a better feeling and a better, I guess, uh, a better opinion of AI in general. So at, at least that's it, it, from what we've encountered. We've seen that that's, that's helped customers feel a lot better because they get the engineers on our end get a, temp, a technical report where we can actually identify you know, which neurons in a neural network fired for a classification. Mm -hmm. And then on their end, they can get they get a, a less technical report that says, "Well, you asked me to identify a blue car, and I found an object that has wheels, and it has windows, has a bumper, and it looks like a blue car. And here's why." And so, you know, that's a really rudimentary, a really rudimentary representation of what these reports are, but it paints the picture effectively. That being able to explain how it works, to or explain its decisions, is is key to to making or our medical professionals adopting AI. Another thing is making it user-friendly and making it uh, protect patient privacy. HIPAA compliancy is something that we at Seeker were not at all prepared for when we entered the medical field uh, because you have to protect patients' information and you have to handle data in a very, very, very cautious way. We And, and it, it's very good because we've actually, we implement practices throughout all of our, our products in general. But what HIPAA is for those of for people who don't know, it's basically a set of laws and practices for medical products and medicine in general that protect patients' data from being misused or being sold and from making any data that is used for study traceable back to a patient in any identifying manner. So you have to take some 
very strict and extra precautions in order to actually be legal as a medical product. And uh, that took quite a bit of tuning in our databases and, you know, quite a bit of convincing, at least from us to the medical professionals and that we are doing, you know, our due diligence to make sure that patient's data is not exposed, nothing that identifies the patient is exposed, and we're appropriately handling, you know, data. Our encryption algorithms are sound, all of that. No, that's so interesting. And that's going to segue really into my next question. Just on a day-to-day basis, or even from now, you know, since 2019, are you challenged? Have you really dealt with any challenges, maybe roadblocks or anything in your whole sector of your business where you're like, whoo, that was, I didn't see that one coming. Given that six months into your business, <laughs> you went into pandemic. Exactly. Even though, you, you know, you created this amazing project or product for COVID, which is incredible. But, you know, any additional challenges that you might have encountered? That was a hard decision, actually, to, to figure out whether or not we should spend time on, you know, you know, donating something where we could probably figure out how to pursue the platform in a different manner. But it was ultimately the best, one of the best decisions we've made. One thing that we've learned, and that's quite uh, appealing, and one thing we've tried to focus on is there is quite a bit of investment in artificial intelligence in a few specific industries. There's a lot of investment in self-driving cars. There's a lot of investment, not just in money, but in time and attention research. Uh, a lot of self-driving cars, certain aspects of medicine, and kind of like smart home assistance, that type of stuff. And there's there's a lot of people that are pretty savvy in, in AI and how it can be used and what the limits of it are and you know what they can trust and what they can't trust. There's some other industries that are of a disadvantage. And, you know, agriculture is one of those, recreation, some aspects of, of medicine as well. And when they don't quite understand AI or how it can be solved to their business practices, but once you explain it to them, they light up and they, you know, they, they get very enthusiastic. They go, well, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And that's something that we've actually gotten quite a bit of acceptance from is some, some industry or some business from industries that we wouldn't have typically expected otherwise are quite enthusiastic and contribute quite a bit heavily to our funding because they actually, they, they just didn't know the applications that can be performed with artificial intelligence because there's not a lot of attention in their fields. That was kind of a unique learning lesson that we've encountered along the way. Another thing is, is how, mar- or how hard marketing is and how hard sales is. It's, you know, AI kind of sells itself in some regard because it's kind of a, a hot topic right now anyway. But, you know, being able to actually paint a picture for your, for your clients or for your users, for your customers that enables them to want to buy the product and enables them to see the value that you see or the vision that you see, that's, that is probably the most difficult thing, at least for me, because I see the potential of AI in so many different ways and I see how it can affect so many different lives and the forks, how different the forks in the road can be between whether a company has AI or they don't. Mm-hmm. And trying to convey that vision to customers has been something that I've struggled with and I've you know, definitely gotten mm-hmm. better at over time in order to try to kind of market seeker. Yeah. And I will say I, when I was um, like looking more into your company, I did notice that you were in the, like you said, the outdoor recreation, the agri-science and even the sports sector, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're we're kind of spread across the spectrum, which speaks a lot to kind of like how our platform can be provided or how those four principles can provide value in several different industries, right? And you know, go just to elaborate on sports and recreation for a moment. We're trying to that that second tier of seeker for mobility, we're trying to kind of pack more power into the thing that sits in your pocket. 
So, I mean, we went to the moon with thousands of times more compute power or thousands of times less compute power rather than what we have in our phones, which is quite astonishing. So there's a lot of potential in our smartphones that we're not really using. And so we're trying to pack a lot more capability with artificial intelligence, you know, products and mobile applications by doing so. So as an example, we were able to, if, if anyone goes skiing or snowmobiling or, uh, cross-country hiking or whatever in the winter. Avalanches are a big concern and you have to carry a transceiver. My co-founder is a lot more, he's, he's a lot more adept at this and goes, you know, exercises these tasks quite more, a lot more often than I do. But this transceiver is basically a beacon in case you get into an avalanche and someone, so someone can find you and it's basically broadcast an SOS signal. We were able to pack all of that functionality into a mobile app that effectively acts the same way, uses very little power, can last up to 16 hours on your phone if you don't have, if you're not using anything else, right? You don't, and doesn't need service, doesn't need cell service. It uses quite a bit of technology that I can't really dive into at the moment, but it uh, replicates the functionality of this $600 device into an app that you can download for free. So we're effectively, you know, saving more lives and, and, you know, benefiting a different sector. I mean, who, you wouldn't have thought that AI would have been able to help people in avalanches. Yeah, at least I wouldn't originally. And so that was kind of another sector that we were able to branch into and enlighten people on. That's been, that, that was really great. That's impressive. So I want to understand in terms of going to market and you've created these amazing solutions and solved some interesting use cases. Have you, do you go meet with a client, some find someone in the industry and then work with them in coming up with a solution or an application or you build something in the lab and then you take it out. What is, what is your go-to-market? So we originally started by just meeting with clients and trying to tailor a, an exact solution to what they, what they wanted. Because we were, we were really trying to fill the market out in general to see kind of where things would go and where things would vector. Now we have a platform that we have a different marketing strategy for and that you know it can be used for different industries and different customers. But a lot of, I mean, our, our platform has been built to be on several different, you know, several different processors and different industries, different use cases. And so the marketing scenario changes a little bit each, each time. So for example, for our, our, for our medical, our medical platform, it's a general platform that is licensed out with a request that you can actually make changes if you'd like. So we can, you know, for additional costs, we can go in and instead of identifying you know, these seven different respiratory conditions in the CT scans and x-rays, we actually, you know, they want to identify different seven conditions or they want to add three more to it. We can go in and retrain the model specifically. And we're building, we're building a system out to automate that so that we don't really have to be as in the loop. So it's kind of more seamless for customers, but the, the base platform is licensed out and then we, we can, we can tailor it if needed. Yeah. And my next question is a lot of our listeners are technologists. They're really good at building products, but where some of them struggle is going to market. It's get interacting with clients and finding the customer and then building on it. One thing I noticed is you guys have done an amazing job getting traction and being revenue producing very, very quickly. So I want to see if you want to share any tips to emerging and aspiring entrepreneurs out there. How should they go about when it comes to selling and sales? Yeah, that's a great question. To us, putting, and, and this sounds very, very specific, but actually putting some of our capabilities into a, a mobile app helped a lot. 
because it's something that people are familiar with, something people can download on their phone, something people can look at and actually interact with. They've always got it on them. And it's something familiar, right? If you're going to put this brand new capability, this awesome technology that you put blood, sweat, and tears into, uh, you want to make sure it gets the attention it deserves. And so if you have an appropriate vehicle that people are familiar with, that they're you know willing to actually interact on it, that seems to help to have helped us quite a bit. Because a lot of AI solutions is... They they they're developed in the lab and they maintain great accuracy under under lab conditions. But then once they go to deployment, they don't get as much traction, or it, it's harder to actually you know reap the results that you acquired in the lab. And we saw that with COVID AI and with some of our neuropsychology projects that we worked on, is that we were able to perform adequate assessments in the lab, but it wasn't it didn't really you know it, it didn't work as well in the field. And usability is a big deal. You need to make sure it, you have a very, very, very sensitive amount of time to capture a user's attention and to capture a customer's attention. And if you don't, then, I mean, you could, you could potentially be blacklisted in their mind forever. They're not going to give your app the time of day. They're going to go delete it, or they're not even going to pursue you any further. And I'm going to go back in regards to apps again, but in re- if you go to download an app, and uh, you don't get a good impression within the first 30 seconds, you probably won't go back to it. You're not going to create a profile. You're not going to go in and get more interaction to it. So being able to make something that's appealing and that's something that people will want to you know, use right away, that kind of attracts them right away, uh, will give your technology the attention it deserves. And you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily a mobile application, but that has definitely worked for us so far it, it, just because it's so familiar. Thank you. I think that's amazing advice to share with everyone. And I did want to ask, so where do you see Seeker Technologies, let's say three or to five years from now? In the direction that we want to go with the company, we really want to set a standard for for artificial intelligence in, in being explainable and being mobile and try to really branch out these industries that aren't getting a lot of attention with AI. So, you know, we're not pursuing a lot of of, of work in, in autonomous vehicles because there's so much concentration in there. We're trying to branch out and give AI capabilities to these under other industries. So our goal is to be able to say that there is adequate attention and there's you know adequate investment, both with time and research and money into these other industries, such as agriculture, such as you know, you know, security, different aspects of medicine, recreation and energy, all these different, all these different fields. And we hope to be a huge contributor of that. Also being able to make sure that data sets for these models aren't biased and there's maybe perhaps a way to provide a, a certification on a data set or a model to say, hey, we've, it's been adequately approved and adequately vetted, you know, more of like an FDA or an FAA standard, if you will, that is all over an artificial intelligence model that says it's ethical. We, you know, believe that there's not a lot of bias in that. Seeker hopes to be a big contributor in that field. And it's in segueing into explainability from that. So being able to explain decisions so that we can adopt more trust with artificial intelligence and reap more benefits. If, if we can provide a way and an easy interface for AI models to explain their decisions and find out where they went wrong, I think people will garner a lot more trust with it. So that's, that's, where, we, that's where we hope to take our products and, and everything in the future with our, with our platform, at least in the near future. Yeah, no, that's great. I like your focus on explainability. I know an industry that can use it as financial services, and I've had a few interesting conversations there where one of their biggest concerns is they don't want their machine learning models and deep learning models to 
to be able to look at certain zip codes and, and, and demographics and make decisions and judgment that are biased inherently. So one of the key things that they, if they implement the models, I think one of the key things that they want to have is make sure they can explain every single decision down to why that decision was made by the machine learning model. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. There was a flash crash. It was, it was many years ago, but the stock market had a flash crash where it briefly dropped by like 20% or 40% of its, of its uh, previous level and then jumped back up within a matter of just a few minutes. And that was at the fault of algorithmic trading systems. And he was burned on algorithmic trading. He's like, I just because of that, you know, because he lost a little bit of money. And he said, I, I, I'll never trust a bot or an AI system to to handle my money because it, I, you know, I they burned me on that, and I, I didn't get the the value that I, I thought I would. And a human would have been able to sell out right away in an appropriate manner. And so, you know, cry, events like that have to be limited, and we're inevitably going to inevitably going to have more. But being able to provide you know, sets of explainability along the way, or even you know, an explainability of trend lines saying, I see a change in the data set coming. And I think that you know, the, the operator, the human should be aware. And instances like you're suggesting, I think that that might be you know, pretty paramount and, and pretty important. Yeah, no, that's great. Hey, last question for you is, what advice would you give to the aspiring entrepreneurs that are thinking about leaving the corporate world or in college looking to work on AI startups? Sure. I, the first thing I would, I would suggest is to seek negative feedback. It's very hard to hurt your ego and, and no one wants negative feedback because it's very difficult. But negative feedback allows you to kind of adjust the sales on your product so that you don't, you know, steer off course for too long and decide that you're sinking so much time into one direction when you could have been going in a different direction. So I think going through that very, very difficult process of being extremely critical of your idea of your technology and seeking negative feedback is, is, is important. However, on the other hand, there's no one that's going to realize your vision like you are. And so if, something is important enough to you, you have to take that negative feedback into consideration for your customers, but also be willing to sift through what actually is relevant and what actually can be explained. You know, Maybe you can explain your technology better and negative feedback might not be appropriate in some manners. But I, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's quite important to have that negative feedback loop. Additionally, to, I, I think it's important to question the status quo, obviously. And that's, I know that's cliche, but there's AI is a incredibly transformative technology. I mean, it's it's uh, synonymous now to what the internet was in the 1990s, and that it's it's very its potential is very untapped. We're largely still experimenting with a lot of the of the things it can do, and the, its capabilities are largely untouched. And so that allows smaller players to enter the market and really make a big impact on you know the market but also the way the direction in which artificial intelligence is developed in general and so you have a right to question the status quo because you have tools now that you can address problems with differently than what we had five years ago 10 years ago even 20 years ago and so i, I think that's that's very important to remain conviction on your vision but you know also definitely see that negative feedback Thank you, of course. Great, valuable advice. But I'm going to ask you now one last question and put you in the hot seat. What is one thing that you can name that has made you successful? Obsession. Um, <laughs> obs <laughs> obs <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
in, in, a, in a singular word, definitely obsession. I have, I, I, I'm being obsessed over the potential that Seeker can provide or artificial intelligence in general. Maybe it's, it's not Seeker, but just the potential that AI has in the future and, you know, being able to communicate that to people and, and try to realize what the vision that my team and I have for everyone else and how it can augment humans capabilities instead of replace human capabilities is, is probably the singular thing that I think uh, has helped that I could contribute that's helped along the way that and coding. <laughs> All right, Cordell, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. This was super informational. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy startup guy, so we really appreciate you taking the time and spending it with us. Thank you both for your time. Thank you both for the opportunity. Um, I'm a big fan of the show and uh, I'm going to continue listening. So thank you very much. Thank you, Cordell. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here today. If you like what you heard and are interested in more, visit us online at brainedbehind.ai and sign up for my monthly AI startup tracker. That's where I cut through the noise and bring you AI startups that are making tangible progress. Till next time, go out, be the brains behind AI.